Lola brought us a present. Nothing quite like a dead mouse at 7 in the morning. Car keys. It's gonna rain today. Yesterday, all my troubles seemed so far away. Now it seems as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Suddenly, words that I can't quite remember. Morning, everyone. <clears throat> I gotta take a picture. I gotta take a picture. Can see. See if you can see through the melancholy here. <clears throat> it's a little dark out. It's gonna rain. <sighs> hmm. Oy, that picture is appropriate. All right. Oh, God. Minute 40 and I haven't said anything. Okay. Welcome. Welcome to Jeff in Motion. Monday edition. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to leave that yesterday be the theme. <laughs> I had uh, done up lyrics to the SpongeBob SquarePants theme, but I just don't have the energy for that this morning. Uh, maybe someday you'll hear that when I'm feeling in a more jaunty mood. Um, gonna try and uh, not. <laughs> oh God, this show! I really don't know what it is, what it's supposed to be. It's marked in comedy. Uh, feel like I've been too too funny, especially. As of Friday, where I just ended up getting on my soapbox and ranting. Um, I was pretty insecure about Friday's episode. Because I touched a lot of topics that I didn't really conclude on. I was like, these are my feelings. I don't, I can't resolve them. Uh, there they are. And um, so I asked my good friends, Mike Bennett and Bill Russum, to listen to the episode and give me an honest critique. And uh, I constantly accuse them of being yes-men because I only ever hear positive things from them. So I'm like, all right, guys, really, tear into it. Tear into it. They're like, we can do that. We're not going to be yes-men this time. And then they're like, I think this podcast is going to win awards. I was just like, fuck you guys. Seriously? I don't see... This show, which is essentially me taking the first 10 minutes of the Mark Marin show and making it a 45 to 50 minute show, winning any awards anytime soon. And for that matter, what awards are there to win as far as podcasting goes? Anyway, that's my piece on... That's me saying something that they can't argue back to because I'm the only one talking right now. So I'm sure... That later today I will hear about that. Oh, God. This, uh... Where did I want to go today? 
Oh, Jake update. Number three. He is still... He is still shitting everywhere. Uh, everywhere. Every morning. Every, every morning. Since the first day we started giving him the medication, I wake up, go into the hallway bathroom to find that he is shit all over the tile floor. Now, thank God he has the wherewithal to go to the tile, the only place upstairs that has tile, that bathroom, but it is not, it's not a pleasant thing to be expecting to wake up to just liquid shit that he's fucking tap danced through, apparently, because there's several piles of liquid shit that is half dried, and then just shit footprints everywhere. That's not something that's great to be expecting to wake up to. And he also likes to shit in the orange shag carpet that is older than I am in our dining room that has needed to be replaced since before we moved in. But now, uh, there's no no denying that that is never going to not smell like Jake shit. Um... And this dog is shit so much that we have run out of cleaner. So now I'm cleaning it up with vinegar. Uh, which does the job pretty well, actually. But my house kind of smells like dog shit and french fries at the beach combined. So, yeah. Oh, it's gonna... Trying to get out of my funk, because I don't want to be a downer. For this episode. An interesting thing I found out is that my trip home seems to be about 10 minutes longer than my trip to work, uh, as I found out posting the Friday episodes. Um, must be, I mean, granted, I'm coming home during, like, coming home traffic time. I'm going to work during ass fuck in the morning o'clock, so that probably explains that. Uh, it's, I've got a high stress week coming up, and that's, that's the monkey on my back today, that, uh, I've had roughly five weeks to get three final projects done, and for the first time in a long time, I've run out of motivation for schoolwork, uh... And I think that's because it's been so easy with web design. Because I've been taking lower class, like underclassmen classes because I have to, to get the degree. And like when everything, that there, here lies the issue of the EZA. Uh, when they're like, hey, 100%, 100%, 100%, I love you so much, you're the best. And then they're like, alright, you've got five weeks to do a project. I was just like, oh, Mini, mini vacation right here. Boom. And then, I, you know, I put them off two weeks. And then I was like, you hit that point where you've got so much work that you don't do anything? Well, that's lasted for two more weeks. So now, I've got three final projects to get done. Um, one needs to be done a week from today, one a week from tomorrow, and one a week from Wednesday. Um, one of them I've started. That's it barely started one of them. I don't even have a solid 
recollection of the requirements for all of them in my head. It's... Uh, we'll see. You... How, my mood on the Friday episode of Jeff in Motion is going to be a great indicator of how homework's gone <laughs> this week. Because I don't have... I, I do homework at, during lunch at work. I've got like an hour and uh, any downtime then also. So I know that I have five hours this week to do homework. Um, and that often comes right off of work working. So I kind of tend to procrastinate 10, 15 minutes in the beginning. Like, oh, well, I can check Reddit before I start. So I'm going to have to not do that this week at all. So I've got guaranteed five hours to do homework. Um, slower days, I might pick up maybe another five throughout the week. But then I don't, <clears throat> I haven't, I keep my time so scheduled so tightly that I haven't budgeted any homework time at home. I, I get home from work, I eat dinner, and then it's Morgan time. Because I haven't seen her all day. I only get like two hours with her a day. That, and that's important. She's three. It's important to have time with your dad. And then we put her to bed. And all the while, I usually... Aislinn goes upstairs to work on her crafty veggie stuff. Which, because she's been doing her job, which is watching Morgan all day. So she needs a break. So I give her that. And then we put Morgan to bed. And then I spend time with my wife. Because I have even less time to spend with her. So I get maybe hour and a half, two hours if I'm willing to stay up late. To hang out with her usually playing a video game together, something, watching a t uh, TV show, anything. And then, by that time, it's like 10.30, 11 o'clock, I get up at 5.30 in the morning, um, I'm about ready to crash. So, I either, to get homework done in the evenings this week, I either sacrifice time with my daughter, or with my wife, or I get less than my customary five hours of sleep. So, there's not a lot of room for win-win there. It's mostly lose-lose. And usually, I've got the, uh, the weekend, which Aislinn is gracious enough to, because, I mean, usually that's my family time, but if I've got homework, Aislinn's gracious enough to, you know, distract the kiddo and give me a few hours here and there. But this weekend I've got uh, the Mike's No Mike Open Mic. And I've got to help MC that. Which is great. Like that's a great thing I'm looking forward to. But it's still now this thing that I'm looking forward to and I love. Is adding a level of stress. Because it's taking away time to do homework. Uh, and then on Sunday I've got to record... Uh, the Popular Outcast podcast, which that's three hours, and then they want to record a Popular Outcast gaming, so that's another half hour. Uh, so I love doing that, but then I feel I also have just this guilt that I cannot get rid of because I'm leaving my family for that amount of time during what would normally be a family day. 
So that's... And I don't know where all this guilt comes from, but I have it uh, that I can't get rid of, even though it's perfectly reasonable for an adult man to spend three and a half hours with his friends three, like, every th- once every three weeks. But I don't know. I don't know. And on top of that, I've got to do... Let's get. I've got to listen to a chapter of Twilight and prepare my notes for Let's Get Toy Hearted for that. So at so, I have to give an hour to that at some point this week too, because that's a commitment that I've made that I can't believe stuck. <laughs> uh, I didn't also choosing to do it the way I did. I didn't uh, really think that through listening to a chapter of Twilight and breaking it down once a recording session, so once every three weeks for the Popular Outcasts, that has become, like, it's rewarding in the fact that Mike and Bill laugh at it and love it, but it's become, it seems to be more of a chore than anything nowadays, because I know I've got diehard fans of that, but they aren't very vocal. And so every time I'm kind of wondering to myself, is this worth it? And I say that out loud online. Out loud online. What have we come to? Out loud online. uh, People will be like, no! No, we love it! But that always amounts to maybe three people. (laughs) And it's like, guys, guys, we get like three to six hundred downloads for episode. Three of you does not does not a fevered fan base make. But I know I'm not going to quit doing it. I've only got like three chapters left. At least I'll finish out this book. And then we'll see where we go from there. (sighs) So now I've unloaded all my stress on you. Um, I'm sure you're loving that. I really don't know (laughs) what this show is. Um, people apparently love it. <clears throat> I know that well, I will re-listen to it because I don't if it's a, just a sort of uh, masochistic kind of thing that I want to listen to myself bitch for 45 minutes later today, the day that I'm still feeling all these emotions. I don't know. I don't know if it's therapeutic or a hindrance. But anyway. I had a good weekend. I had a good weekend, which I should focus on that, um, which was the inspiration of yesterday. All my troubles did seem so far away, although closer, it's more like Saturday, all my troubles seemed so far away, because we went to the Lewisburg Arts Festival, which is great, and I mean, we didn't have enough money to buy anything, but we got to look at it. And really, the highlight of the trip was taking Morgan to a play, the playground in Lewisburg. <clears throat> Pardon me. Sorry. Got a frog in my throat this morning. Um, and, like, she's played on playgrounds before. That's not a new thing. We haven't... She hasn't hit three and a half years old and not been to a playground. But, like, the play, it just... The playground clicked with her this time. Like, usually, she'd run around, like, she'd need, she'd need one of us to be, like, right behind her, she'd be nervous around the other kids, like, she'd want to go on the slide, but she wouldn't want to climb up, not this time. Um, I, we had eaten at Subway in Lewisburg, so 
I don't know what happened if the ranch was had gotten warm or something, but I had to go use the porta potty right now, which a porta potty I'm pretty sure is analogous for one of the lesser levels of hell because you're just sitting there on 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 top of a bucket full of human waste. The sun that I've never used a porta potty when it isn't hot out. And those things are just shit greenhouses. And so you're sitting there, your, your pores are opening up, you're sweating, you're just absorbing the human waste smell, and you, you never have to quickly use a porta potty if you have to poop. It's always like fast food diarrhea using a porta potty, and just then they've got the, the like negative one ply toilet paper that you've got to use almost the entire roll to, if you want to even kind of feel clean, but the head's hand sanitizer. Hooray. So now it would be, I didn't have the time to rub it over my entire body, but so I dropped Aislinn and Morgan off at the playground because Aislinn almost broke her toe the other day, so she's not, she's going to have trouble keeping up with her. So I know that I have to go take this shit and get back quickly before Aislinn loses Morgan in the playground. And apparently, as soon as she hit mulch, she was gone. She just, it, she just tore ass all over that playground. Exactly what you're supposed to do as a three-year-old in a playground. And I'm still sore trying to keep up with her this weekend. Because, again, we took her to another playground yesterday. On a kids' grove in Seals Grove. And she took a fat girl on a tire swing to the face which is horrifying when you see it, but then that girl had to be 200 pounds, and Morgan took, it to, took her to the face, hit the mulch, she cried, but in under five minutes she was tearing ass again. So I, there, she's got some resilience to her that makes me proud. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that, but it was a fun weekend. But a conversation that well also oh man fucking Jake I don't like there's something about cleaning up liquid shit multiple times a day every day that's gonna just color your mood a little and so any little thing that tends to pop up tends to also just metaphorically be covered in that liquid shit also it's like great now this is happening, and uh, mood swings tend to happen a lot easier, but, <laughs> man, that dog, <clears throat> I've gone from jokingly talking about putting him down to absolutely, genuinely being, I wish the vet said that it's time to kill this dog. Um, just look at, he's just, he's dirty. He's got a, a thin layer of shit in his hair that there's no point in giving him a bath yet because it's the, the torrent of liquid shit coming out of this fucking dog is not over. And yeah, he can walk, but we have to replace part of our house. Like, part of the flooring is going to have to be replaced because of this dog. Um... And it's to the point where it's like, I was worried we might have to put him down because he wasn't walking right. Now he's spraying liquid shit everywhere. 
And I'm like, maybe that's a sign that he should be put down. And Nathan's like, well, no, it's just a part of the meds. And I'm like, the meds that are making him walk are making him spray shit everywhere. I, this is not an improvement. He was, I had to take, walk him outside to pee, but he wasn't, he was going to the bathroom outside. Um, and I'm trying not to be angry at him, but it gets harder every day. And I'm not, I'm not of my dad's generation. I can't, I can't take an, a, a, a sickly pet outside and hit them with a shovel until they die and then bury them. I don't have that in me, but I have never been closer to that than I am now. And, and but that's the thing. When my dad did it, it came out of a place of, well, I'm not going to pay somebody to put my do- my cat or dog down, you know, I'm just going to do this. This is, you know, it's out of love. This is not out of love. This is out of sheer, sheer spite towards this fucking dog. And maybe, maybe if he had some sort of life to him, but is, he's just, he just walks around like a, like a living ghost. He's just got a vacant stare. He doesn't have any real life to him. He just walks around he shuffles around, eats wet dog food, and sprays liquid shit everywhere. It's not a life worth living. But he's not our dog. He's not ours. He's Paps. He's Aeson's grandfather's. And there isn't a day that we visit Aeson's grandfather does it. He doesn't ask how old Jakey's doing. And we're not keeping Jake alive for us. We're not keeping Jake alive for Jake. Keeping Jake alive for Pap. Because it's one of the few things he's got left in this world that he can, you know, he can sit in his recliner at the assisted living home and he knows that Jake is still around. Which, Jake was his only buddy when Nathan's grandmother passed, that and Kitty. But, you know, Kitty was great, but Pap... Jake and Pap were, you know, two parts of the same whole. So, we're doing our part to keep this dog alive so we don't have to go tell a 92-year-old man that we see once a week that his dog is dead. God damn it. It's perfect that it's raining. (laughs) Ugh. And God damn it. Sorry for this. I really I'm trying not to I guess you know you just need someone to talk to and right now that person is me who is you. And uh I know subconsciously that people are gonna contact me and pat me on the back. That's not what I really want, but I do want it, but I don't want it, but I do. You know? It's just... Here's hoping that I get more of my homework done than I think I'm going to. And then Friday's a fun episode. And... I've been dealing with something me and my buddy Nate Santishan talked about Friday... 
and that was I feel I've taken on the role of provider for my family um, and I mean I'm try I really I don't resent my wife at all for choosing to be stay-at-home mom because that is fucking important if anything the most important thing to try and raise our daughter to be as functioning of a human being as possible and she is the most important thing in my life and my wife is the second most important thing in my life I don't even know if I could rank them honestly they are as a collective whole the most important thing in my life for different reasons you know so it's not I can't say one is above the other they both hold that spot as a as a collective whole that is family um but when I tend to get upset when people I know I, when people I know have things happen to them that I perceive as luck or privilege and I'm sure they've fucking worked for that stuff and I know it deep down but if I'm say cleaning up dog shit on an hourly basis and I hear that someone is quote unquote finally getting their Prius that they custom ordered because that they needed a specific color um I tend to take a dive in the emotional standpoint where I'm driving to the Lewisburg Arts Festival with my wife and I say, how do people buy cars? I don't know. I, I don't know. I know that I have been incre- incredibly privileged by the fact that my dad owns an auto body shop and has connections. I may n- never own a new car, but I always have a car. And I, I have put very little money into these cars. It's always at a hit to my parents. And, I mean, that's a source of guilt that, that I have. The sheer amount that I owe my family. And I know it's out of love for me. And I know I will do exactly the same for my daughter. But I can't fight that guilt that I know that I've been living for two years rent-free in a house that my dad owns and that my dog is shitting all over their carpet and just taking the property value down. But, you know, that's just... That's a source, That's something that's made me feel so guilty for so long that it started to dull the guilt, which is another source of guilt. Um, today's the guilt episode, apparently. Christ. But, <laughs> when you say to your wife, I don't know how people buy cars... And her response is, well, maybe if I had stayed to work at the salon, we would be in a place to buy cars. I don't, I don't know exactly what her, uh, what emotion she thought that would bring out in me, but it really lit a fire under some deeply seated, uh, depression, uh, and guilt. Because I've taken on the role as provider, and I just am not succeeding at it. Like, I am barely making enough to pay bills when you have to put food on a credit card 
you're not in a good place. But, like, ideally, I'd be making enough to pay all our bills and put money away to start paying rent, maybe, or what, looking towards moving, because that's another thing I can't fathom, how people move. I can't fathom moving to a place on our own, let alone moving to, uh, to Washington State, where we want to end up. And I know that that involves making enough money to start saving. And I don't resent my wife because she, what she's doing is very important. And But when she says, hey, if I hadn't made this decision, maybe we would be at a point where we'd have money saved. It just, that doesn't make me resent her. It makes me feel bad for failing as a provider. And I know that was in no way her goal. And I know if she... I, I Thank God she will never listen to this because she hears me talk to myself enough. Um, but I know that if she knew that that's how it made me feel, she would call me out for being stupid and needy. Which, thank God I have her for that because she is my... She's my bucket of ice water when I get into these, like, depression self-hate spirals which I fall into a lot and if I ever open my mouth about them to her she instantly is like you're being dumb come here give me a hug and that's it and that's often why I don't go to it because that's the thing about the depression self-hate spiral it doesn't want to be over um and I don't know if I it's uh if it's a a medical condition or if it's just a product of being lower middle class in this society right now where it is fucking just built to pile on debt so that the more money you make, you're just uh, making it to pay the higher debt bills that you have accumulated while you're attempting to just survive to make more money to get rid of your debt. And... I know I'm 26, and I've got a lot of life ahead of me, but I kind of fast-tracked it to uh, midlife crisis by having a child when I was 22, 23, uh, 23, 20, 26 minus uh, 3 years old, or 20, no, it was 20, whatever. So, you know, I'm at a place right now where many people don't hit until they're 35 because people are having kids so much later nowadays. I had kids at in a white trash time frame um, with a up with a upper middle class attitude and just fucking a man. <laughs> it reminds me of kind of a I don't know meme isn't the correct term a inside. It's not a joke, though. It's just a cry for help that I have with a good friend of mine and uh, fellow Pentec alumnus, uh, Beth Meisenhelder, which her last name directly translates to Mouse Hero in German, which is just awesome. But we'll be talking about life, and she is in an equally difficult place um, because she's living somewhere where she actually has to pay her rent. And things like that. And she's living a semi-long distance relationship with a guy she really loves. 
And so she has stress, and I have this... I tend to put my stress over other people's, which I'm really trying to work on, because I know that I feel bad, but I know other people feel bad too. That's just fucking moronic to assume that you're the only one who feels bad in life. But she and I will be discussing just life, and never fails one of us will break into... It has to get better, right? Like, life... At some point, the parabola has to come back up. Right? Like, because as a kid, you're like, Man, I wish I could grow up. And every adult's like, No, dude, you don't. You don't want to grow up. And you're like, Nah, things aren't great right now. Things aren't great right now. But when I have control of my life as an adult, it's going to get better. But no, every single fucking day of your life, it gets a little harder. And, um... It has to stop at some point, right? At some day, some point I'm going to wake up and it's a little less difficult than the day before. Right? Because if it, if it doesn't, I don't know how everyone hasn't committed suicide at this point. Because, and that's what's keeping me going, is if I was lost, if I didn't know where I wanted to be, if I didn't know that I wanted to be a web designer slash graphic designer in Seattle, Washington for an awesome company, I don't know what I, like, I would be completely hopeless. I wouldn't have good days if I didn't have that plan. Um, I don't know where, like, I can't see the path ahead of me, but I know I'm still on the path because I know that this second degree is going to make me valuable to companies over there. But I can see the end of the path, and I can see that I'm still on the path. I just can't see which where the next turn is. And I, if I didn't have that... I don't, I would be completely lost in the darkness that is debt and the depression when a paycheck runs out way too early. <laughs> um, I just, so, well, here, out of all this guilt and depression, maybe some advice is set a lofty goal, or, or not a lofty goal, I have a realistic goal that looking at the education I have, I can achieve in, uh, God, double the amount of time I've been alive. But it's definitely achievable, and it can equal comfort for my family, um, even if Aislinn doesn't go back to the workforce. At some point, I know that being a web designer in Seattle will lead to being comfortable. I don't want to be rich. I, w I do want to be rich, but I know I don't see that as being an attainable goal for myself. I don't think that on my own, without luck, I will be rich. I see myself being comfortable, which is great. To be able to, be able to go to the grocery store and not check my bank account balance first, you know? To be able to take a vacation and not worry about it 
breaking the bank. That is a great place that I know I can achieve. I just have no idea when, like, what my time frame is. God, I want it to be soon, but I've got a feeling that it's not going to be. I've got a feeling I'm going to be pushing 40 before any of this really comes to fruition. And, um... I really hope I didn't sound like I resent my wife. I know I've overstated it, and maybe that's maybe that makes me sound like a resenter more. But she works hard at being mom. That little kid has more energy than I've ever experienced. Um, I spend two hours a night with her, and sometimes that's almost too much for me. So she spends all day, every day. She's doing a job, and the payment is having a kid that isn't going to be broken, <laughs> you know, that we're, we're making, we're forming a functioning adult, that is our payment, um, that we will have a great relationship with when she is our age, hopefully. Um, fucking A, this has just been a bitch fest. Well, maybe, maybe. Uh, let's see if I can't try and analyze this and wrap it all up with a bow. That it's just. Oh, I never finished my fucking. I talking to Nate Centition. I was asking him why I feel like a failure every day, and I I tell I I says to Nate I says. I says that I am a 26-year-old man with a wife that I've been with since I, we started dating over seven years, um, and there's doesn't look like that's ending anytime soon. Uh, I'm madly in love with her. I've got a daughter that I love that is no more troublesome than your average three-year-old. I work a full-time job, 40 hours a week, in the field I went to school for, I'm taking nine college credits online. I have a podcast that gets that has over fifty thousand downloads total, gets around six to nine hundred downloads per episode after about two months. We just rolled out the Popular Outcasts Productions Network, which has which is outputting seven different podcasts and at we've got two or three more in the pipeline um and i co-host a mo- a monthly open mic in a community in a community that desperately needed it and every day i feel like a failure and I'm talking to Nate, and I says to Nate, I says, why is this? Because I, I know that's impressive without bragging. And I know that it's part of my stress because I have filled my time so packed that I have not given myself time to, to just sit and play a video game because I just don't have it. I just don't have that time. Thank God Morgan is starting to enjoy watching me play Rayman. Which is a great fucking game. But, I digress. And he says to me, he, say, he says to me, he says, 
that just clear as day, it's because I'm a utilitarian. And I know I've heard that word before. I've got a real basic grasp of what it is. I could probably use it in a sentence and sound like I knew what it was, but I did look it up. (laughs) And now that was four days ago, so I'm going to half remember what I looked up about this word that I half remember what it meant in the first place. But it's basically this mindset that unless what you're doing has the maximum output of happiness for the maximum amount of people, it's not successful. And I was like, motherfucker, you just took my whole, like, why I feel bad about myself and summed it up in a sentence, in a fucking sentence, that I don't know why, but if I feel that my actions are bringing any amount, are are bringing anything but happiness to anyone... I feel guilty. So when I know that I'm not paying rent to my dad, I know that makes me feel guilty. When I... When I have to ask them to watch the kiddo and I know I'm taking their time away from them, I feel guilty. When we don't have enough to eat right, I feel guilty. And I just, I don't know how to break out of it. But now that I have a name for it, that I've called that, that Nate helped me call it out. Maybe, just maybe, I can work to accepting it and maybe not feeling fucking guilty every time I am not doing something that's impossible to do and be the white knight superhero at 26 years old barely two years out of getting my first degree and still in school for my second. Um, I also started a diet today. (laughs) So, when you stand... So, everything I've told you. I've got everything I've told you for this um, 42 minutes so far. Everything on top of that. I step on a scale today. And uh, it's a fancy scale that tells me my BMI and my percent body fat when you step on that scale on the first day of a diet and you've got a BMI of 30 which is the first BMI that falls into the obese category and you've been cleaning up shit for five or six days consecutively and your bank account is under $100 in it and you're physically sore from chasing a kid around for three days, which was fun. That was fun. Maybe that's where this episode came from, is that, all that. And this is obesity. The face you saw at the top of this post, that's obesity. Which I am well aware that the BMI scale is fundamentally flawed. And that I shouldn't judge myself by it. But there's a scale made by doctors that I fall into the obese category in. I that can't come I can't not think that. Now granted, I lose a couple pounds and I'm then just overweight. 
So I'm sure I'll be, you guys will be getting bi-weekly updates on how I'm doing with the diet. And um, I learned the last time I went on a diet that you need to start the diet first, then exercise. You're more likely to quit if you do diet and exercise at the same time. But my goal is to weigh what I did before Morgan was born. And that was uh, around 150 pounds. And I was 203 pounds this morning. So I need to lose roughly 50. Roughly 50 pounds. And uh, people who like the popular outcast on Facebook, uh, Mike Bennett shared that picture of us from 2009. That's where I want to be again. That was when I was working out two hours every morning. I would get up at 4 a.m., work out two hours every morning on WeFit, um, and just was in the best shape of my life. I want to get there again, and I want to go past it. I want to surpass the best shape I've ever been in my life because, like, I mean, chasing my kid around the playground twice this weekend destroyed me. That can't be good and I want to send set a good example for her so yeah yeah man well if you're hoping for an upper for your rainy Monday morning I apologize because this wasn't it um let's see I'm about to get to the parking lot didn't even look at my list of topics no, I don't have time for that. Oh, well, <laughs> here's something on my list that uh, actually has to do with everything I've been saying. The other day, I couldn't figure out. And this, uh, this is, uh, here's a, just a specific example of the depression self-hate spirals I go into. And I'm calling this out because I recognize that this is particularly ridiculous. We are having issue with a form for a website that um, the it, it could the text area could only take 255 characters because it would get cut off otherwise in the email that it sent to our client. So, in Internet Explorer, the bane of a web developer's existence, it would not cut in anything under Internet Explorer 10 it would not cut off at 255 characters. So people, and apparently the only people who write into this web form that go over 255 characters are people who are mad. So our client was upset that, and also these livid people that go, that don't read that there's only 255 characters also use the Internet Explorer. So there's a correlation for you. But these... So I am just... I am... I work for a solid four hours. And I find solutions that work for Internet Explorer 9, but not 7 or 8. Or it breaks something else. And I'm just... I am drawing blanks. And I, I have to elicit help from one of the other designers, which I... I'm going to school for web design. I shouldn't have to ask for help on this fucking little problem. And eventually, someone ends up doing it for me. And 
they teach me and they show me what they did and they had to get some JavaScript, which I haven't learned yet. But this is where I go. This is over the period of about four hours. I can't figure out how to set a max length in a text area in Internet Explorer uh, 9 and under. Therefore, I am seeming as though I'm not good at my job. I'm not good at my job, meaning I'm not good at my degree, meaning I won't get, I won't be successful in my degree, meaning I won't get a good enough job to provide for my family, meaning I can't get proper nutrition and clothing for my daughter. Therefore, by the transitive property of fucking insanity and self-hate, because I can't figure out max length in Internet Explorer 9 and under, I'm a bad father. And this all happens in a period of about four hours. And thank God I said this to my wife because she didn't actually slap me, but she was like, dude, what the fuck? You're an idiot. And gave me a hug. And then it's all better. But these are the kinds of things that my brain does to itself. And again, I don't know if it's clinical, but I know I've got a great support system to deal with it. And um, remember, you've got people that love you. Yeah. That's... Through all this, I know... That the expectations I put upon myself, no one else does. They aren't expecting me to be the white knight. And I've just got to accept that more, I guess. But remember that. Someone loves you. I'll see you Friday.